This is uh, Paramedic Review Unit 4, Part 7C, Cardiovascular Cases. So um, tell me if you've done this one. I don't think we've done this one. Called to uh, a residence of a 65-year-old male complaining of chest pain. Uh, crew arrives on scene to find a male lying on the sofa. He's pale, diaphoretic, uh, complaining of uh, severe dizziness and chest pain. Uh, his airway is clear, breathing shallow, uh, and um, a little faster than normal. Um, circulations, pulse weak, regular, slow, and um, his level of awareness, he's awake, slightly lethargic, uh, or awake and drowsy. Uh, skin's pale, diaphoretic, secondary exam, patient complains of shortness of breath, chest pains 5 out of 10, sharp to the sternum and left shoulder. Patient states his chest pain started while having a bowel movement. Um, he states that he took one spray of his nitro, almost fainted, vomited times one and uh, was sweating profusely. So he's got um, uh, an MI 10 years ago. He had uh, cabbage uh, times three, um, hypertension and gout. He's on Coversil, nitroglycerin, ASA, and allopurinol. Um, no known allergies. And his vitals are as follows. Uh, pulse 54, respiration is 28, shallow labored, BP is 80 on 50, um, SpO2 is 97% of room air, glucometer is 5.1. Why glucometer? Altered LOA. Yeah, altered LOA. I mean, is it likely to be, um, does he, uh, I don't think anyone would criticize you for not doing a glucometer in this case, because he's we, we have a clear history with this guy. He's a non-diabetic, but um, given that he's drowsy, we do uh, glucometry routinely. Uh, so what else do you want to know about this guy? Mark? Definitely start with OP curiosity. Okay. So the onset, yeah. um, traditionally, I think about say, he's a number okay okay good 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 so let's see see if we got any of that at all so we know that it's sharp and uh, started while he was having a BM uh, but it doesn't say what time. And took a nitro, almost fainted. Didn't really say whether it, uh, you know, whether it relieved the chest pain or not. So that's a question mark. And. Uh, we don't, we, we, uh, we don't know what the P <coughs> is. We don't know what provokes or palliates it. And uh, we don't know if it radiates. We, we do know the severity, five out of 10. And the timing, we don't know if it's constant or if it comes and goes. Good. So like I was saying last week, this is, this is some of the most important stuff. You, you cannot miss any of the components of the OPQRST. So whenever you're doing a case, when you do a case for your 
base hospital orientation, for your service orientation, always be thinking OPQRST. So if they've given you information, but it's incomplete like this one, um, start thinking about what are we missing here? Because you can't even really begin to narrow a differential diagnosis until you have those things, right? Uh, okay, so let's see. So his cardiogram is normal. Um, and we'll say that uh, uh, we'll say that uh, nothing provokes or palliates in particular. It's non-radiating, and the timing is constant. What's your? Yeah. So, what's your differential? Okay, so thoracic aortic aneurysm. What else? Thomas? Constipation. Uh, do you think I would drop his pressure that much? Now he's got um, chest pain, sharp chest pain uh, radiated to his shoulder. What else, Chuck? Uh, PE. Uh, PE, okay. Okay, good. What else? Uh, pericarditis or tendinitis. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Sure, yeah, it could be an MI or angina. Yeah. Uh, no, if it was just, but my first, uh, my first official, when we started doing uh, bypass to the PCI centers, my first PCI transport was a 38-year-old guy who had um, sharp chest pain. It was right here. He could point to it. It was very sharp and uh, it was reduce, reproducible by palpation um, and completely non-cardiac, non, completely not classic cardiac type chest pain. And he was having an anterior wall MI. And um, I remember that call for two reasons. One, because, uh, well, a few reasons. One, he was young. Two, his symptoms were completely, they were just not classic cardiac. And Third, my partner kept saying, you're going to be fine. We're going to take you to this place. They're going to, you know, open up the artery, blah, 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 blah. And when we got there, the, the interventionist couldn't get the wire through the clot, could not get it through. And my partner had reassured him, had reassured his wife, and everything was going to be fine and was going to restore blood flow and blah, 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 blah. And uh, all the while I was cringing like, please don't say that. And uh, so in the end, we ended up having a talk about that. Sort of thing. But um, now, as it turns out, apparently after we left, they managed to get the wire through the, the clot and they opened up his vessel and restored blood flow. But uh, it was uh, touch and go for a while there. Okay, this is good. So um, now uh, let's let's go through these. If it was thoracic aortic aneurysm, uh, what else would you want to know? Uh, 
bilateral blood pressure. Okay, bilateral, is that what you're going to say, Kyle? Okay. Yeah, and you'd want to know a little bit more about the quality of other than sharp. Is it a tearing feeling? What else would you want to know in terms of the OP curves to you, Lucas? Uh, the location typically feel, feel like you tear back. Yeah, radiating to the back. Do you remember um, there's a, an aspect of the radiating pain that's fairly specific to thoracic aortic aneurysm? Apart from just radiating to the back, what else does it do? Do you recall? Yeah, it, it descends. Right, so descending, so radiation to the back that descends over time. That's, um, uh, I'm not sure what the sensitivity of that is for thoracic aortic dissection, but the specificity is fairly high, good. Okay, so um, blood pressures on both arms. How are you gonna do blood pressures on both arms? Manually. Manually, um, one arm each, per each partner? One person, yeah, one person does both, yeah. Same pair of ears, same stethoscope, good. Um, constipation. So, what would you ask this guy if that was the case? Yeah. Uh, intake, uh, frequency of bowel movements, like what, what it's been like. Okay. Um, is it rigid or tender anywhere? Yeah. And specifically, did he have constipation when he had a bowel movement? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pneumothorax. What are we going to do? Yeah. I actually just had a question about the constipation. So we had yeah. a guy that had uh, abdominal pain and also on the left hand side was, uh, was painful, but on the right hand side it wasn't. So yeah. Would that be impacted in the descending uh, Yeah. Fecal impaction? Yeah. No idea. No idea. Um, does he have a history of fecal impaction? Uh, he's in street constipation. Street constipation? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite possible. Did the belly feel rigid on that side? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, could be. Could be. Um, I don't know. Um, pneumo. What do you want to know about pneumo? Mark? Uh, you want to start off by auscultating just like that pneumo? Yeah, auscultating the chest, see if there's any difference in uh, air entry. Good. So, important information now. So, it's going to be part of your exam, right, is to auscultate the chest. Good. Okay, and uh, PE. <coughs> what information would you want to know? Yeah. Any cough, anything coming up with the cough? Okay, cough, any hemoptysis. Yeah, Eric? They've been like, sitting around for a while or been kind of a. Well. What does that mean, sitting around for a while? I mean, I sit around for a while in my office. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, but but what what would that um, sitting around for a while be exactly? Like, be more specific. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, like long, long, long time, like bedridden or on a plane for 12 hours or 24 hours. Yeah, so long time, not just sitting around for a while. Yeah, so, so long periods of time. Yeah, and what else? Uh, Lucas? Uh, I don't want to know if they have a localized pain at all, like if they can point versus... Yeah, okay, if they can localize. Andrea, we're going to... Um, any of the other like risk factors, so like... Such as? Smoker or... Okay, smoker, risk factors. Um, this is a man, but if they're on birth control, yeah, like if it was a woman, yeah, um, or 
Hopefully there'll be birth control for men soon. So, so, so they can take a little responsibility. Yeah, or yes, uh, stasis or um, like any coagulopathy, anything like that. Okay, Paul? Uh, or if they had any severe leg pain in generally the calves or anything needed before. Okay, yeah, leg pain, pain in the calves, pain in the thigh. Chuck, were you going to add to that? Yeah, history of DVT. Yeah, that's really key. Is history of DVT, or a history of prolonged, uh, you know, bedridden or sitting. Yeah. I mean, it's not super specific, but your S wing Q three T three as well. So I think it's really, I think it's deep S waves. Yeah, you're right. It's not terribly specific, but yeah, if if you're looking for ECG changes, I would, if you're really that keen, I would keep like an like an image or some sort of blurb on your phone so you can refer to that. Uh, periodically. That's good. Good to know. Um, <coughs> and pericarditis. What would you know, what, Lucas? Um, I want to know if their pain is really finding a positional thing that could do, like lying down versus sitting up. Okay, yeah, sometimes leaning forward feels a little better. Uh, Chuck? Uh, recent history of like uh, illness. Yeah, that's really the key, right? Recent illness of fever illness, general, generally unwell, that sort of thing, really important. Lucas? Yeah, I was just wondering, is there like specific uh, like illnesses that would be attributed to pericarditis, like say like immunodeficiencies or lupus or? Uh, could be. More? Could be. Others? Could be, I'm not sure. Okay, what about um, tamponade? Yeah, Wendell? Uh, low BP. Yeah. Uh, JBD. Right, so <laughs> anytime you're dealing with someone who's short of breath or has chest discomfort, always a good idea to listen to heart sounds. Uh, just take a few seconds, fourth intercostal space, right sternal border, maybe fifth intercostal space, make clavicular line to the apex. Um, just routinely listen because if you ever, ever, ever have a patient with cardiac tamponade, and it's not a common occurrence, it's a pretty rare occurrence to have cardiac tamponade, um, you'll never know because you've never listened, right? So unless uh, you listen routinely. But yeah, so you look for Beck's triad, um, or just in general, you know, um, uh, auscultate for heart sounds. Uh, MI angina, so we've done a 12 lead ECG and it's normal. Uh, so that's good. So uh, what's uh, the take home message in a case like this is the symptoms are nonspecific. It could be just about anything. And uh, MI angina can present with sharp chest pain. Um, any one of these things could, could um, result in those kinds of signs and symptoms. So if you've got a differential diagnosis, then you're, uh, it forces you to start to ask more questions, to delve a little deeper into the history, right? Um, that's how you start to narrow things. Now, it may take you down the garden path, that's always a risk, but uh, um, important to ask. Okay. Any questions about that case? Do you have the 12 lead? Uh, no. No. I'm having a 